watched that video, I don't know, 25 times. Still funny. It's even funnier when you go home and watch it, rewatch it, because you know the parts are coming, like uh, when the girl tells baby Jesus that she brought her some Jordans, uh, the wise men brought her some Jordans. Do you have your worship handout? Uh, this, this morning, uh, there's quite actually quite a, quite a bit to do uh, at Connection, but first, it is a joy to be here to celebrate what we celebrate tomorrow with our with our spiritual church family. I'm going to be talking this morning uh, coming out of Luke chapter 2, but hopefully this morning uh, maybe I can share some information. It's all, sometimes it's difficult to do a, you know, a story over and over, but that's the cool thing about God's words because uh, there's things that come out to you and to I every time we read it because God's word is, is living. And hopefully it's some, something this morning that you can take away. It's pretty significant. Uh, and I, uh, I got to actually teach my girls it last night. And uh, I told them last night, I said, well, you got about a 30-year head start on me because I just found out, you know, I just really researched this stuff within the last six months or so. Uh, but if you have your worship handout, we are, it is going to be the Touch Someone's Life gift uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to collect uh, our offering on the fourth Sunday in, in our popcorn bags. And uh, as, you, as, you, uh, as you think about this, this Christmas season uh, and you think about what this gift can do, you can open up your worship handout all the way in the middle and, and on the bottom. And there's a, there's a story about, uh, about somebody that, that gave away a Touch Someone's Life gift. And be thinking of this. I have, I have one person that's already, that's already asked me. Uh, she came up to me, and this is, this is what I really... I really, I really like. She came up to me and she said, she said, Matt, I have, she goes, do you have anybody for Touch Someone's Life Gift? And I said, actually, I was getting ready to, I was getting ready to ask people. And she goes, please, I know somebody that our church could help. That's awesome. So, so if you, if you're thinking about that and you, throughout the service and you, and you say, hey, um, maybe I want to do that. And what I'll do is at the end of the service, I'll give you a bag and I'll give you a little piece of paper. And all you have to do is give the bag away. And then you email me kind of what happened. That's it. It's not, it's not difficult. Uh, actually, one of the rules on here is to not make it too difficult. And I know that's difficult sometimes. Um, but if, if our, if our bag passer outers, as I, as I texted them this morning, uh, our bag passer outer people, uh, they're going to take your nickels, dimes and offering. And if you're not a member of connection, this offering isn't for you. Um, if you want to give an offering, that's, the offering box is in the back. But this is just a way that Connection has shown our love to our community and shown God's love to people. Um, we are going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke is the third gospel, uh, starting from the first beginning of the New Testament. And we look at Luke because Luke is, Luke is very important to us. Uh, if you were with Connection several years ago, and we, when we took some, a lot of time, a lot of time, but it was very, very good, and we, and we went verse by verse, Pastor Mike went verse by verse, and we really dialed in to what Luke was writing, because Luke was CDO. It's OCD, but you have the letters in alphabetical order like they should be, okay? And for those of you that, you know, have that, you, you get what I'm saying, but, but Luke was just so detailed, he would, have, he would have interviewed people, and, and that's why the Luke, Luke, chapter, Luke chapter 2 is not the only Christmas story, but it's the, it's the one that we look at because Luke was so thorough. And this is, this is really, really, really amazing. At the end of our service, I'm going I'm to give this message, and at the end of our service, we're going to have face down today. And face down is our, is our communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever, whatever you'd like to call it, and 
our con- at connection, our, our face down, our communion, is open to anyone that has asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life, and you're a follower of him. Um, but we'll explain that a little bit later. But I really just want to tell you Merry Christmas. Because, thank you, this feels so good. You know, it, it is a special time of year. It just really is. It's, it's, a, it's a time that some of us will go to our families, and some of us have already baked cookies. Hopefully, now I've asked you two weeks in a row, is anybody still, you know what, I'm not even going to single you out. Maybe there's some people in here that may be venturing to the stores after church to do some last, last minute Christmas shopping. And that's okay, but I hope that you enjoy families, and I hope you enjoy uh, maybe cookies or maybe whatever you guys do for a, for a Christmas um, tradition. And I hope that throughout everything, that we can focus on love. I saw a concert a couple weeks ago, and I saw a couple bands, and, and um, I love, 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 love a song that I heard, and it just reiterates three words, three words, and Jesus' life for the most part and during his ministry was anything but peace, but when he came and he did what he did, he longed for a day that there's peace on earth, he came, he came so that could happen, and I love, I love the Christmas story. I love uh, everything in it, involved in it, but I hope that this Christmas season you take time to understand that Christianity celebrates. This is a very unique holiday. This is the only religion in the world that the Creator comes down to die for creation. And Jesus came with a purpose. Jesus wasn't born in a manger so that He could just hang out here with us on earth to see how life was like as a human. He didn't need to do that. He came, and we're going to see today, he came with a specific purpose. He came to die for you and me. What a a blessing. It was a holy night. It was an an oh holy night. It probably wasn't December 25th, but that's okay. It's a day that we we celebrate this. It was was a day that it it was a silent night. And I imagine the angels probably didn't, you know, they didn't, they, didn't, uh, they didn't sing the Great Are You Lord song that Hillsong wrote that we sang this morning. But I imagine it said the same thing. Glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine the choir? In Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Read along with me if, in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's going to be on the screen. But I pray this morning, I'm, I'm going to pray for us in just a second. I, I just, I ask, I'm going to ask God that he just speaks to us through this story like he maybe has never done before. And that we allow him to show us things that maybe we've never seen before. If you would, just bow your heads with me. God, we thank you for an opportunity. We ask God right now this morning as we celebrate this Christmas season and the coming of your son to this earth. God, that we understand that he had a mission. And that mission was to save us from ourselves. And from sin and from death and from the junk in our lives. He didn't have to, he chose to. God, thank you. Help us remember. Help us remember. Help us look into this. Help us have a joyous morning as we celebrate 
In your name, amen. I sang a song this morning. I didn't have my radio on coming to church. That is almost the first, okay? But guess what? I was singing in my, in my truck all the way to church. I sang one, literally one line. Oh, come, let us adore him. As a church, we get to gather together. Maybe you're a family. Maybe you're in from out of town. Maybe you have family you're going to go to out of town. Um, we should come together, not only on Christmas, but to every day. We should, one of the coolest worship songs I've ever heard, ever sang, ever done, was in the middle of July. And you know what it was? Oh, come, let us adore him. This is not just a Christmas song. It's a song about the wise men coming to adore him. But listen to it. We should always come to adore him. Christ the king, yeah, he is. You, you, you literally have had a king lay down his crown for you so that you can have eternal life. You're special. And this story shows us how the king came into the world. In verse 1, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Why? Why do we need to know these names? Because the Romans kept very good track of who was in charge when. And we literally have a timestamp out of Luke chapter 2, verse 1, of exactly when this happened. See, God's word is not full of all kinds of big holes that we, that we have to have faith to jump around and over. There are some things that we can't physically comprehend mentally. I mean, how long's forever? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> but we see these, these time stamps, and Luke took so careful. In fact, if you, if, you back, if you backtrack one chapter in Luke, those of you that are familiar with this will know, but in Luke 1, I believe it's verse 4, Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he's, he literally says, I'm writing... This to you so that you may know. No questions. He wants you to know. 2,000 years ago-ish, Luke writes this, these words down so that you can know today. Maybe you don't know who Christ is. Maybe your neighbor doesn't know who Christ is. I hope that this excites you. Luke records the birth of Jesus. When Luke records the birth of Jesus, he takes care of who's in charge where. I mean, it's literally, he gives us a literal biblical and world timeline right here. This is when this has happened, this is when this happened, this is when this happened. These are all real people. Augustus, real guy. Quirinius, real guy. They can be looked up in secular history. Look at verse 3. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. Okay. They had to return to the ancestral towns. And because Joseph, in verse 4, was a descendant of King David, throughout the entire Old Testament, there's been prophecies from prophets and people about the coming Messiah and what he's going to look like and where he's going to come. And there's a couple things right here that, that means complete, concrete, fulfilled. It said that the Messiah was going to come out of the line of David. Oops. Did you know that Joseph and Mary are both out of that line? Isn't that cool? And Joseph was a descendant of King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, because King David was such a well-known Jewish person, king, militant, all these different things, he was a great king. The people throughout the Old Testament literally thought they were basically going to see a reincarnated King David. King David had power. He had military power. He had strength. He was wise. His son was the wisest person ever to live. 
And he had all these things going for him. And throughout the Old Testament, they said, bring us the Messiah, send the Messiah, send the Messiah. They're begging and asking God. And God sends him. And see, the Jewish people would have thought, no, he needs to be born in Jerusalem. He needs to have gold. He needs to have a palace. He needs to have this. And the Savior of the world completes another prophecy from the Old Testament that in a minute we're going to see that whenever Mary and Joseph come into Bethlehem, it's so packed with the census, there is no room in the inn. They have to go to a stable. And in the Old Testament, the prophets proclaimed that not even the Son of Man will have a place to lay his head. See, the prophecies of the Old Testament and the coming Messiah are amazing. Amazing when we study this. So David, King David, his lineage comes down. Joseph has to go back. He's the, he's the soon-to-be husband. Now, they've not, him and Mary have not had sexual relations. They would not have them until after Jesus was born and after their marriage was, was complete. This is God's son. So they travel. Why do they travel? This is important. Why do they, why do they go back to Bethlehem? So the Roman government could count them. Why do we have censuses, right? So the government will know how many people to tax? The Romans aren't dumb. Right? They say, okay, oh, you're having a baby. So one, two, and a half, three. We'll just count it. go ahead and count it three, right? I would imagine they would have probably done that. And because Joseph was a descendant, he was of the lineage of King David. Now, check this out. Lineage of King David. Man, I'm related to, maybe you guys are related to somebody really, 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 really cool. Uh, maybe if you search back, sometimes you think, oh, you know, maybe it's not a good idea that we're related to him. <laughs> but, but Joseph would have had one of those, it's a cool card. I'm the lineage of King David. Wow. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. The Romans were looking to tax the people. So what do they do? They have a census. We're going to count people. Sweet. Bring them all back. Bring them all back to where you're from. Uh, if, you're, if you're from, there's, there's some people in here that are actually, been, they were born in different countries. If this census happened, they would have went back to the other countries. It's, I would have went back to well, wherever my family would have been uh, from, probably Pennsylvania. But if we go all the way back, I'd probably go across the ocean to Germany. <laughs> uh, that's ancestral homes. Where we're gonna, that's where we're going to go, where your whole family is from. So David goes, or, or Joseph and Mary go. Little did the Romans know they were playing directly into God's plan. Perfectly. Like, really perfectly. Look at verse 5. He took with him Mary, just as Joseph. Joseph took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and was now expecting a child. This is not Joseph's biological child. It's really funny. It's a meme that's going around. Um, my wife being Mary, um, I have some friends that just think they are the funniest guys in the world. And they came up to her last week and they said, hey, Mary, did you know? I love Mark Lowry, and that is an awesome song. It's a beautiful song. And no, I don't think, I don't think that Mary could have ever comprehended everything that was going to happen. But did Mary know? Yeah, it's Luke chapter 1. The angel comes and tells her, yes, she knew. Now, did she know the effects that Jesus would have? Oh, no way. No way. Did she know the pain? No, probably not. Did she know the joy? She probably couldn't have possessed that either. But she knew that something was special. This was God's son. In verse 6, it says, and while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. Now, check this out, ladies. This is not going into good, Sam. The time came, okay. If you, if, if you have been around a lady that has went into labor and that time came, there's usually a couple things that go on with the guy. 
Number one, he flips out. <laughs> he forgets absolutely everything. His mind turns into about a six or seven-year-old, and he has no idea how to function real quick, especially if it's the first one. I didn't, at least. I remember when Emma was born, we went to the doctor, had a checkup. And Mary comes in, and they do the ultrasound, and everything's great, and Emma's just kicking and heartbeating, and it's just healthy, and it's beautiful. And he looks at me, and Mary goes, we're going to have the baby today. I said, uh, we're what? <laughs> now, we're, we're, we've been waiting for, you know, almost nine months for this to happen, and then he says, it's time. There is something that goes on in your head when it goes, hey, we're waiting, we're waiting, it's time. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, everything within our mind. Well, we got to go home. We got to get this. 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 And of course, my wife being my wife, she goes, Matt, just go home, get into the spare bedroom, pick up the two bags, put them in your truck, come back to the hospital. So she's prepared. She takes care of me. <laughs> so when we, when we have a mind lapse, our wives, right? So Mary, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and we're now expecting a child. This is God's son. Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel tells Mary this. In verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. He realized that there's nothing that's going to stop this natural process. The time is right now. Right now. This was a long trip. Especially on a four-legged animal while pregnant. You know, there's a lot of people that say, man, it just doesn't make sense to me that God's son, the savior of the world, would be born in a stable, more like a cave. It's not very convenient, is it? And when we look back at our own lives and we look at God's plan and will in our life, sometimes that will is not very convenient. Sometimes it's a bumpy road in your spiritual life, isn't it? Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's stressful. Sometimes it's a stretching time. Sometimes it's a patience time. Sometimes it's a have faith till later time. But for Mary and Joseph, it was time. It was time. By the way, to experience something that had never happened and has never happened yet. From who? Who, who are Mary and Joseph? They're plain people. Mary's probably a girl between the age of 14 and 16. Um, Joseph's maybe a little bit older. We, we know that because Joseph is not at the cross and the crucifixion. So Joseph has probably passed away by then. Mary has more children with Joseph after, after Jesus is born. We have half-brother James. We have all these things to tell us this. But Mary and Joseph were obedient. Listen, they were obedient. They went exactly where they were asked to go. They, they obeyed the laws of the land. Hear, I mean, hear me. They obeyed the laws of the land. The Roman government asked them to come up voluntold because they had no choice so they had to they had to go but the roman government was playing right into god's hand right into it look at these next verses if you have a pen i think that you want to underline this in between verse six and verse seven they go and they try to find a room i remember a play that the youth group did with my mom and dad were youth leaders at a church and it was called no vacancy there wasn't any room. In all reality, these people, these, these two young people went to a cave that was kind of dug out of a rock. Animals. If anybody has ever been around a barn, you know, it doesn't smell. It doesn't smell like a 
a game-scented basket of laundry. It's probably not even kept up, probably not even tidy. It was the only place. How do we know Mary had other children? She gave birth to her firstborn. He was first. There's probably others, right? She gave birth to her firstborn son. At this moment, the Savior of the world has literally went from heaven, and he has come to earth. This is beautiful. How did the Roman government play right into, Jesus, or into God's hands? Watch this. This is very, 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 very important. She, Mary, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Don't skip verse 7. We're going to meet some guys in the next verse. Let's just look at verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. I want you to concentrate on two things in verse 7 and 8. Number one, the strips of cloth. Number two, they were guarding their flocks. This is a very vital, important, crazy, cool, awesome to show you God's word is so amazing. Do you know what season it was in Bethlehem? It was lambing season. So at the moment that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was born, sheep were giving birth to lambs in the field. These were not just any lambs. The shepherds were guarding them from hyenas and and coyotes and wolves and all kinds of things. They had to protect them. But Mary wrapped Jesus snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. The strips of cloth designed or that that are spoken of in verse 7 are in no way, shape, or form at all clothing for a newborn. Later in Jesus' life, he would die on a cross, and his followers would wrap his body in strips of cloth. Jesus was born with death clothes on. He came to die. And he's, he's being born at this wonderful time, this silent, holy night. These sheep are giving birth to lambs in the field. At the same time, the Lamb of God is coming into the world. And speaking of the strips of cloth, the shepherds were guarding their flocks because these lambs were vitally important to the Jewish faith. Because probably, this is not my figure, but over 90% of all of the unblemished lambs that were sacrificed in Jerusalem came from Bethlehem. And do you know what the shepherds would have done when they saw an unblemished lamb? One with, that's, all, that's all white, probably no black on the face. It, it was completely clean. Everything was nice, beautiful hooves and everything. These were the lambs that were sacrificed. Do you know what they did with the lambs to make sure that they stayed clean so they could deliver them down to Jerusalem? They wrapped them in strips of cloth. So the lambs, the unblemished lamb, the perfect lamb was wrapped in strips of cloth just as the lambs out that were unblemished in the field were being wrapped Folks, there's no holes in God's plan. There's no holes in God's word. She laid him in a manger. Why is this important? Because it's prophesied. (laughs) 
There's no lodging for them. The shepherds are staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, if you want to talk about unassuming people, it's these guys. And number two, they are violently busy at one of the busiest, most important times of their careers in the year. They're, bu- they're busy. They're guarding. They're literally protecting the little sheep, the little lambs. The lambs come from, from Bethlehem. If you remember, Jesus was poked in the side to make sure he was dead so that they could get him off the cross in time so that they wouldn't be unclean for Passover the next day, right? You realize that the lambs that, were, that are raised in Bethlehem are used to sacrifice on high holy days such as Passover. Look at verse 9. Suddenly, man, you're, they didn't have lights. Guarding a whole flock of animals. Now, I often refer to, I have some, I have some friends that taught early elementary. Uh, my sister teaches early elementary. And um, in PE, I would get early elementary kids to come in class. My favorite class, probably one of my favorite class, other than high school to teach, is kindergarten. They will run around in a circle for half an hour. However, they can do this, but sometimes it is, if you, if you try to play a structured game, sometimes it can resemble trying to herd small cats, right? They'd be everywhere, okay? These guys had no light trying to stay around and encompass themselves around their livelihood, those sheep and lambs, to protect them. And all of a sudden, in the complete, absolute darkness, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Anything coming from where God is, is completely full of light. It would have lit up the sky. And look, it says the radiance. The radiance. We're using, this, this word is used in, in, in different times in scripture where God encounters people. And it just means brilliant, almost overpowering light. We were at a hobby shop uh, the other day and Lydia was uh, uh, looking for, we were looking for some uh, he's not going to hear this before. Yeah, we're going out there tonight. So my father-in-law will not hear this online. Uh, we, we, we went and got him some choo-choo stuff, train model stuff. You can't hear that. Okay. And, and Lydia goes up to the counter. She's looking. She, she's six. And this is a hobby model store. You know her. This is going. And so I herded my cat up to uh, one of them. I'm in charge. And I heard this cat up to the up to the. The cash register, and we're getting ready to pay. You know, if I had a, if we had ropes down here that said "Don't pull," some of you would just come and go. Hey, psh, sweet, okay. Lydia's the same as you, okay. So this light is, a, you know, the counter, you know, counter comes up to me about here. It's eye level for Lydia, and she's six. And she can read pretty good for a six-year-old. And this light is sitting right there. It's off and says, "Extremely bright." Warning. The kid knows what an on button is. She reaches up and goes, whoa! I'm telling you, this thing is like 400 lumens about this far from your face. And if you don't know what that is, it's bright, okay? And we, after we settled everyone down, I made sure that none of the people in there had actually suffered heart attack issues after Lydia screamed. Um, we, I said, babe, 
when something says warning bright, you actually don't have to try it out to believe them. <laughs> but it was, it was, it, it was, it was radiance. Because it, it shone on her and she couldn't see anything past it. This is the same type of light. So we see, we see the radiance of the Lord's glory. I mean, the Lord's glory in the Old Testament and New Testament can literally encompass full buildings and it's led the Israelite people. Smoke and, power and, and fire and all this stuff. Shocker. The next three words. They were terrified. And I know some of you are going, yeah, if I saw an angel out there, I'd be, I wouldn't be terrified. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. First of all, you have no idea how big these angels are. I mean, literally. You don't have a clue. You don't know how, in a minute, he's going to talk about what joins them, and we don't have a clue what that number is. But it says, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Why do you think he has to use those three words when he comes and talks to people? Because they're scared. There's no other reason to say, uh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, that right before they appear to somebody, can you imagine, like if angels had like a green room before they came on stage? And they're like, okay, this, this person is going to flip out again. Like, they're going to be absolutely nuts. I say, okay, all right, let's go. I say, ta-da, don't be scared. <laughs> don't be afraid. He said, look at this. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. To who? All people. This was revolutionary. Because this was one of the very first times that we see that Jesus comes not only for the Jewish population, but for the Gentiles as well. For the complete and total, absolute population of the world. He's coming. This angel says, hey, listen, get in there. Don't be afraid. These guys were so plain. You think they would have ever seen anything like this? No. I mean, just the understanding that Paul, in his conversion, saw the incarnate Christ, and it, and it blinded him, and it put scales over his eyes, means that the radiance of this being was unreal, unmatched, and not of this world. Man, don't be afraid. That's like a joke. Chill. No chilling. We've never seen anything like you. Hmm. Look at verse 11 and 12. See, the Jewish people have been waiting on these words right here for hundreds and thousands of years. What the angel is getting ready to say in verse 11, the Jewish people have been waiting for since since the Old Testament. And it says this, the Savior, yes, the Messiah. He had to reiterate, didn't he? The Savior. I want to make sure you get this. The Messiah. Why do you say the Messiah? Because that's the word that the Jews use. The Messiah would come from the line of David. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah would be an unblemished lamb. Guess what? He was. The, the, the Messiah would never have a bone broken. They poked his side. If, if it hadn't have poured out water and blood and he had already been dead, they would have broken his legs. They didn't have to because Jesus was already dead. He had already given up his life on the cross. So Jesus is put in the grave without a bone broken. Over 300 prophecies about the Messiah have come true. I can't wait till the last one's fulfilled. Because he came very humbly. 
And even on, on Palm Sunday, he came into Jerusalem very humbly on a donkey. When Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be in total, complete, absolute power. Because he did everything necessary for you and I to inherit heaven. Everything. So he goes like this. Can you imagine? Some of the most unbelievable words ever to be uttered to the Jewish people. And it's uttered to shepherds. You know what what makes me feel good about that? Because we're shepherds. (laughs) We're not nobility. We're not the up and up, upper crust, that we're normal people. And, and, the, and the angel comes and says, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Why did he say city of David? If these shepherds were Jewish, they would have understood the Messiah. Okay, got that. David, David, it's Bethlehem, city of David. It would have clicked. Holy cow, I'm alive for this day. The Savior of the world is born. And he goes on and he says these words again. You will recognize him by this sign. Specific instructions. You will find a baby. Yes. Wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. These are absolutely, completely considered the same strips of cloth. Jesus, as a baby, was literally clothed in death clothes, right? Right now. It, it, wouldn't, it, it was so unique that he said, this is what you're going to find where you find him. And when you find that exact combination of things, that's the Messiah. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Okay, well, that's weird. These shepherds, that's weird. Why would he have death clothes on? Lying in a manger. Real weird. <laughs> no one's born. Not, not the Messiah. Well, certainly not born in a manger. But he goes on. Look at verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined. <laughs> I have no idea what this number is. By a vast host of others. <laughs> I don't know. The shepherds may be laying down face down at this point. Thinking that their life is over. I don't know. But he says this, the armies of heaven joined, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. <laughs> Can you imagine? They're praising God, so singing, glorifying God, however they're doing it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that sounded like? Unreal, Unbelievable. Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, I don't, you know, it's like, gone, all black again. Okay, wait a minute. What is the first question that you ask if you're a shepherd to another shepherd? Dude, did this just happen? The angels had returned to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they sat around and they had more coffee and they looked at their lambs. This is, this is, this is their livelihood that they're guarding. They don't survive and buy food unless they sell lambs and sheep. Okay? Watch. They hurried. That means they left immediately to the village. Village. Why is Bethlehem called a village? Because it wasn't very big. The Jews were looking, Jerusalem, David, gold, power. Jesus comes as a carpenter's son from a two-stop sign town. Plain. And he's born in a manger with death clothes on. This is not the way that a Messiah enters the world. A Messiah enters the world with power. No, not the first time. The next time he comes into this world, he will. Absolute, and he's going to be, by the way, this is really cool. The next time he comes back, he's going to be clothed in complete white. Power. 
clean, unblemished. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and ta-da! There was the baby. Dude, this is what they're talking about. The baby. Look at verse 17. After seeing him, after seeing him, they just had to see him. They just saw it. They put their eyes, much like Simeon later on in, 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 in the story, they put their eyes on the Messiah. Now watch this. Just by seeing and experiencing and being in the presence of this Messiah, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 18, everybody, all the people, all who heard the shepherd's stories were astonished. But look at 19. And I said it as a joke. Did Mary know? Absolutely she did. Luke chapter 1. But Mary. With all the hubbub. And the shepherds coming. So they didn't know these guys. They just showed up. And then you imagine being Mary. (laughs) Shepherds said, no, listen, Mary. These angels came. They told me you would be here. They told me he would be here. They told me there would be sheep here. There would be in a manger. He had strips of cloth on. And you're here. All the people, all the people who heard shepherd's stories were, were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Why would she have to think about these things often? Listen, can you imagine the pure joy of angels being in your presence? Can you imagine the pure, unbelievable, un- we cannot even, we can't even fathom this. Even ladies, that if you've given birth to a child, you cannot fathom giving birth to the Savior of the world. And she thought about these things. She probably didn't say much that night. She just, it was a silent night. And she just kissed and she'd hold him. When you kiss your tiny baby, you kiss the face of God. And she kept these things in. And can you imagine when she would pull them back out? Probably when he starts his ministry. He starts to become hated. He's, on, he's put on fake trial. And even at the end of his life when Mary's standing at the bottom of the cross. Remembering. Why he came. And that was it. He didn't come to stay a baby. He came on a mission to go to the cross. Look at verse 20. Shepherds went back to their flocks. (laughs) They have a job to do. Glorifying and praising God. You imagine. I bet they sang all the way through town. They, walk, they, they went, just went by people, and they're having a normal, normal census, bad time. You know, hey, there's no room. Everybody's around. There's no parking spaces for anything. And, and the shepherds just come flying by them, and they're just singing, and they're glorifying God. All they had seen is that it was just as the angel had told them. Just by being in the presence of the Savior of the world, just by seeing him, these guys' lives was changed. I wonder, whenever, because God gave us Jesus... What do people see in you? Are they, can they be changed by seeing what God has done in your life? Why should we give? Why should we, why should we look at this? Look at the first blank in your worship handout. The Christmas season is a time to give. But I like to get. I know. That's normal. I like to give. I like to get. The Christmas season is a time to give. I'm not talking about presents here. I'm not talking about stacking them up to the ceiling. I'm not talking about having so many that you have to take a U-Haul trailer to your in-laws. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the Christmas season is a time to give. Love. Forgiveness. 
Oh, no, no, no. No, no. I would buy him a billfold. I won't forgive him. Do you know how anti-Jesus that is? Jesus is presented later in his life with, with gifts. Of a, of a, according to the video, it's a purple hippo, some Jordans, some diapers, and some wipes. But theologically, it's not. Okay? Very expensive gifts. Gifts that would cost you and I half to more than a year's salary for what they gave him. Exceptionally abundant, rich, wealthy gifts. And he was given these gifts as a token as a present. Because it was the men that gave him these gifts that knew that Jesus had come to give far more than they could give. See, Jesus has given you far more than you can give. We should try. Give love. Give forgiveness. Give apologies. Especially this time of year. Through Jesus, we have the hope, we have the peace. To the next blank. Christmas, the Christmas season is a time to reflect and remember what God has done for us. I remember in, in, in our favorite Christmas movie, and you have to understand that it's just Griswold Christmas Vacation because of my last name. But, but Clark Griswold gets left when they go shopping, doesn't he? You have all seen this movie. Don't say, oh, I'm in church. Yes, you've seen this movie. And he goes, <laughs> some of you are going... Yep, it's in the DVD player right now. Yeah, it probably is, okay? But Clark Griswold gets left when they go shopping, doesn't he? He goes into the attic because he gets locked in the attic, right? He falls through and he warms his hands from the heat coming up from the house. And he has, he has all the, the, the cool hats and the scarves and he has all these old clothes on. But what does he do? He puts on the movie reels, doesn't he? And he shows and he remembers the Christmases back, doesn't he? He remembers memories. He looks at, at, at things from the past, his Maybe some people that aren't here. And Christmas is a great time to do that. But watch this. The Christmas season is a time to reflect and remember what God has done for us. It is a time, especially on this service, especially taking face down, that we remember what God did for us. When we take face down, the Bible is very clear that you're not to take face down with an impure heart. You're to ask God to make you right, to, to repent of what you have going on so that you can take face down in a correct heart manner with him. And the last thing, the last blank on your worship handout. The Christmas season is a time of celebration. Angels rejoiced in the heavens. Shepherds rejoiced going back to their fields. We rejoice today in that relationship. We rejoice. Jesus came not to stay a baby, but to grow up. And approximately the age of 30 or 31, he started his ministry. And for three and a half years, he healed people. He taught people. He showed people God's word was living. And he ministered to people. And he told them he was the son of God. And many people believed him and followed him. And some didn't. And we take face down in a little bit. This is for people that have followed Jesus Christ. If you haven't and you want to talk about what that means, find me after church is over. I want, I want to be able to explain. I want you to have a grasp of what's going on. But if you're a follower of Christ, there's, in a minute, there's going to be a video. And we're going to have a video on the screen. 
and there's going to be people that are going to come up here. You guys can go ahead and come up here. There's going to be people here. There's going to be people here. There's going to be people in the back. When you take communion at, 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 uh, at Connection, we do something that's actually a, a theological term called indinction. We take the bread off, we, we pull it off, and we dunk it in the juice, and we eat it. You can eat it there. You can take it back to your, to your seat. So I want to ask you, before, before, we, before we start this, uh, do we have a Touch Someone's Life gift money? Two back? Okay. $203. There's $101.66 per bag. Um, Amy? Would there anybody else like to give one away? Okay, come on, Zinni. You got to be fast. Zinni is quick. She's like, Gah! she was waiting the whole service. She was looking at me like this. Thanks, Zinni. Thank you. Hey, when we take, when we take face down here in a minute, I We'll let this video play for a little bit. Whenever you're ready, whenever you've talked to God, whenever you have had a correct heart, I want you to come and I want you to take face down. This is one of the most beautiful things that we can ever do. Remembering what Jesus, Jesus didn't come to stay a baby. Jesus came to die. And when Jesus was in the, in the room with his disciples before he went to the cross and he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body. And he took the wine and he said this, we, we do grape juice, but he took wine and he said, this is my blood. Every time you do this, remember me. And to his disciples, he said, I will not eat of this with you again until we get to heaven. This is a special time. I ask you to let God move in your life right now. After, after the video starts, whenever you're ready, uh, whenever your heart is ready, you come and take face down with us. Go ahead.